The TNT Shop has great gift ideas for your furry family member at tntradio.live. You're with Hervoye Morich on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. All right, round two, we've got Adam Elwanger coming up. He does great work and analysis. He's a rogue professor at the University of Houston downtown. What is going on in the world of Israel? News, Israeli finance minister Bezalel Smotrich, uh, he came out and say, said, we need to create a proper Jewish settlement in the Gaza Strip because if we are not there, there will be two million Nazis who want to eliminate us. So again, I'm trying to look at this objectively. I do support the existence of an Israeli state, but what he's doing is dehumanizing now the others the, the the palestinians the people living in the west bank and in this case gaza um all of them from babies to teenage you know palestinian teenagers middle-aged folks and and the elderly they're all nazis that is that just doesn't no i'm sorry that's just wrong like you're just dehumanizing an entire people group which you know and it, it goes the same way as well when when people you know dehumanize all jews as well when they say you know um when they get into all of those uh, those obsessions of the the jews running the world uh, so it goes both ways uh and so in this case yeah the the, the dehumanization and just wanting to expel um people from the entire land that i don't think is very cool and just along the earlier lines of what I was getting to talking about war, General Michael Flynn has come out and said, Americans need to stop thinking this will be a major regional war, or as the military calls it, a major regional conflict. We are in the initial stages of a much bigger global conflict, and the conclusion and consequences are far greater than anyone can currently say. We simply don't know how this will end. We just know things are not going in our favor, principally due to those leading our nation." So um, I'm, you know, we're on the same frequency there. And then Alasdair McLeod of Gold Money, who I've interviewed a few times over the years, uh, he just published also an interesting piece over at Gold Money, the geopolitical year ahead. 2024 will see a quickening pace for geopolitical developments with the influence of the U.S. waning while that of China and Russia waxes. As a lost cause, the war in Ukraine will be abandoned by America and NATO in the next few months. The dangers in the Gaza situation are likely to escalate, with the U.S. being played by Iran acting in collusion with Russia through the Houthis. The days of U.S. divided rule over Middle Eastern states are over, and if Israel thinks it can simply drag America into the Gaza horror story, it has badly miscalculated. Russia has taken over the presidency of BRICS. Um, the meeting will be in Kazan in October. Um, talk, uh, he says it's reasonable to assume Russia will ensure all will ensure that all current members will be educated towards the merits of adopting a gold-backed trade settlement arrangement instead of the dollar so again a lot of people from michael flynn to alistair mcleod to many others just coming to these same conclusions uh, i already mentioned that india is going to double its coal production uh, and you may have heard on the ad as well that ray epps has dodged the prison sentence he's getting probation uh community service for insurrection activities so i don't understand how some people 
you know, say things like this and they go to jail uh, and others like Ray Epps, just uh, nothing happens to them. He was most likely, maybe he got one, uh, got off of one of those white unmarked buses that Clay Higgins um, talked about that, that came in before 5 a.m. on uh, that uh, January uh, morning. This is interesting news. I don't know if this is um, verified or not, but 401krollover.com reports that the U.S. Geological Survey has publicly stated that the world's silver supply will be depleted by 2025 next year. This will make silver the first widely used industrial commodity to have its in-ground supply exhausted. Again, take this with a grain of salt, but... Um, I, I do think it's good to have silver. Silver looks attractive. This is not financial advice. I don't really, you know, I'm not qualified in that respect, but um, they do conclude. And and I've seen many other people say uh, that silver is the way to go. It's got a much bigger up upshot um, potential than gold. So, you know, it's always good to back up the truck, get some silver. Uh, also being reported, we no longer need as many people. Duolingo fires 10% of contractors will replace them with AI. So Skynet is becoming self-aware. Indeed, you know, I think this is a thing. AI is going to be taking away a lot of jobs. Uh, it says um, almost a year after IBM said it would stop hiring for roles that can be replaced by AI, with Goldman estimating that some 300 million non-menial Highly paid workers could be made redundant thanks to uh, AI. And so now you have this happening at Duolingo. Uh, I never had much luck with Duolingo. I just kind of learned languages almost through osmosis. Um, everyone's got their own way. Uh, also, 38% of US companies anticipate that they will conduct layoffs in 2024. So again, AI crappy economy, the neo-feudal Great Reset project to wipe out the middle class. Uh, and this is a crazy story. People can watch the video footage. Sec a secret synagogue tunnels causing chaos in New York. So there was this um, um, synagogue, uh, the Ch Chabad Lubavitch World Headquarters in Brooklyn, and they dug this very illegal and dangerous tunnel under the streets of New York which could cause neighboring buildings to collapse. And it's unclear what the tunnel was being used for. Um, and some of the people, uh, these orth young Orthodox Jewish men were getting, attempting to stop the government from filling with cement these tunnels. And so something really strange is going on out there in Brooklyn. I'm sure we'll be hearing more about that uh, as always, if you have a suggestion for a possible guest or host you'd like to hear on TNT or topics you want us to discuss, we love hearing from you. Complete the, the suggestion form at tntradio.live, or you can message any individual presenter through our respective contact forms. Help us make a difference on TNT. Clashing on the controversies. It's a woke society, and I am fed up with it. Today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Oops. On Tuesday, a pair of journalists were heard cracking jokes over a hot mic 
about former President Donald Trump and current presidential candidate uh, being cut down by an assassin's bullet as they waited for him to appear at the federal courthouse in D.C. Here with the story, joining me once again, TNT News producer Adam Clark, codename Ruckus. Thanks, Rory. What's the big deal? I mean, people joke about stuff all the time. I mean, oh, that's right. That's kind of against the law to make that kind of a thing about a sitting president, at least. But I guess it's okay if it's the former president, right? Uh, yeah, I love hot mic moments. This one's a little embarrassing for the unnamed, unidentified. We don't even know who they're with, Harvori. Uh, But um, the reporting and the audio, uh, you could say that they are two male journalists. But that would be unfair because you didn't reach out to them and ask them how they identify now, did you? But clearly, two, two men uh, making these comments. Uh, they had their news cameras stationed outside the E. Barrett Prettyman U.S. courthouse. This is uh, something to do with the Court of Appeals related to Trump uh, asking for immunity. Um, I don't want to get too much into the politics of that, but you could hear the two starting to complain, grouse, as it were, about the difficulties of them being able to get a, a good view of the 77-year-old uh, 2024 Republican frontrunner. Uh, one person can be heard on the live feed saying, quote, you know what the worst part is? Even if he has his window open and he's hanging out, he will be on the other side of the street, end quote. Uh, the second reporter says, hopefully, quote, I mean, if he's driving, we've got a good shot, end quote, to which the first replies, quote, yeah, if he's driving with the front window open, end quote. The conversation then quickly moved into Gallo's humor territory about the former president arriving in an open top car like the one President John F. Kennedy was riding around in when he was assassinated in Dallas on November 22nd, 1963. The second person said, quote, yeah, or if it's a convertible, end quote. The first replies, quote, yeah, I wasn't even thinking about that, end quote. The second one starts to say, quote, like if he just pulls up, end quote. And the first one finishes the sentence and says, quote, like JFK, end quote. Ah, they they both, they, they were on the same thing here, right? Uh, the media member continues here. <laughs> quote, maybe someone just like they told JFK, you know what you should do? You should take a convertible. It's so nice out, end quote. Wow. <laughs> uh, these are pretty based reporters, I might say, uh, in a way. <laughs> but, um, Trump was facing a D.C. appeals court panel. I believe it's three judges involved in this to hear his attorneys argue that he should be uh, immune from charges in connection with his attempts to overturn his 2020 election loss and the January 6th, 2021 Capitol riot uh, because he was not impeached and convicted first in connection with those events. Uh, Trump's attorney, John Sauer, argued, quote, to authorize the prosecution of a president for official acts would open a Pandora's box from which this nation may never recover. And quote, Sauer asserted that under the precedent, presidents could be prosecuted for giving Congress, quote unquote, false information to enter war or for authorizing drone strikes targeting U.S. citizens abroad. <laughs> I see what he did there. Uh, the outcome of the arguments carry enormous ramifications for the landmark criminal case against Trump and will also likely set the stage for further appeals before the U.S. Supreme Court. 
Uh, last I heard uh, that initially it seems like these judges are skeptical of Trump's immunity claims, and I don't have an official follow-up for where that is. I think it's kind of in limbo. Um, but yeah, this is interesting. These these uh, reporters making this these comments. Uh, many people have said things on X Twitter platforms like, you know, sounds like someone needs a visit from the Secret Service, that kind of a thing. But um, I'm not so sure that the Secret Service needs to get involved. But uh, Harvori, do you think that the that these reporters or everyone's going to say, oh, obviously these reporters come from the left? I think they might not because they seem to be pretty keen to the idea that our own government whacked a sitting U.S. president, i.e. JFK. So they're a little based, in my opinion, to be on the left. But what do you think? Yeah, it's interesting you point out that psychology, right, where some people have a hard time believing the government whacked JFK. And then you have people, these types of people joking um about it the, the first thing that came to mind for me was douglas mackey right um who posted a, a meme about hillary clinton and then well he had been sentenced to seven months uh this was just a couple of months back I, I i think there was there there were some he may have had an appeal i'm not sure if he actually did end up going to a jail i think he, he he hasn't yet but the fact that douglas mackey for for posting a meme of hillary clinton who was not even president um can go to jail yet um you can have people joking about assassinating president because i think at the time hillary was a presidential candidate uh and you go to jail for making fun of her and here you have presidential candidate and former president trump uh people joking about killing him nothing happens you, you you see what i'm saying like you can make memes you can joke about killing people nothing happens but if you make memes of them you go to jail so it's it's abs absolutely crazy the double standards here and um and it's funny ruckus how it's often the liberal globalist left who want to kill us um i've got no desire whatsoever for you know for biden to be killed or obama or clinton or bush let them live into their old age like kissinger you know the ripe age of, of 100. um it's it's all the same you know eternity is going to get them and so i, I do not wish for the, these people to, to suffer early deaths but it's funny how you know the, the left always wants to murder <laughs> murder the other side your, your further thoughts on this in this case, I'm going to defend the reporters. I think there's no there there. I think it's just like even if it was you and me sitting there having a conversation talking about how hard it is to get a shot of somebody who's related to the presidency of the United States. This might come to mind. You might think, oh, yeah, huh, shot president. Oh, yeah. I think it was just a natural flow of the conversation. I don't think there was any uh, hatred or intent there. And I don't think that they necessarily were saying that they would like to see Donald Trump killed. I think it was more about their situation of trying to get a good shot with their camera of the uh, former president. Um, but it is fascinating. What does that tell you about society? How far we've come? Like, this is just accepted norm. Like, it's it's okay. We understand. We know that the government whacked one of our presidents, but we just go on with our business like everything's fine. Yeah, this is fine, Herbori. Uh, by the way, if Trump had said that about any living person, by the way, he would probably immediately go to jail. Well, you know, do not pass go, do not collect $200, et cetera. Straight to jail. You believe it or not, you you overcook or undercook chicken. 
straight to jail. There's that hilarious meme from Saturday Night Live uh, where I forget his name, the comedian plays uh, like a Venezuelan dictator. It's uh, funny stuff. All right, Ruckus, uh, talk to you tomorrow. We got the rogue professor, Adam Elwinger, coming up. As always, we welcome questions or comments through. Uh, you can call in, uh, leave them in the chat or email. We'll be right back. TNT Radio's Patrick Henningsen. There's a dark cloud which is gathering over Ukraine. This has been an absolute disaster. In the last month alone, as I reported previously, Ukraine's lost 13,000 troops in October. So what does that mean? Well, you can guess that recruitment is probably down. So right now, the government in Kiev, the Zelensky government's doing forced conscription. Morale is at an all-time low. Uh, we've also seen conscientious objectors uh, who are taking to social media, like Telegram, who reported uh, that they were just finished a six-month prison sentence uh, after refusing to go to the front line. Some of the forced conscripts rebelled, were imprisoned for six months, did a six-month sentence, and then the day before their release, they were put into a van and then sent to the front line. I kid you not. Patrick Henningsen on today's News Talk TNT Radio. Take us back in time, and who was Mike Flynn? He was the National Security Advisor to the President. Why is it that they go after me so hard? Why me? Why does Barack Obama only talk about two people to the incoming President of the United States? When I was sentenced, the judge says, you have been convicted of lying to cover up for Donald Trump. To which I say, cover up what? Russian collusion? There was no Russian collusion to cover up. We see in today's current uh, scenario with President Joe Biden, who came in with high expectations that he has been viewed as divisive. And we're committed to advancing transgender equality in the classroom. The liberal media say, well, this is his love for his son, and yes, he's going to protect his son. But let me tell you, a lot of fathers love their sons, but their sons had to go to jail when they broke the law. This moment, people see a lot of those telltale signs of a far left drift to the country. Whether you're talking about socialism, or you're talking about communism. Socialism is just a kinder cousin of communism, but the goal is the same, for the state to have control of every aspect of your life. We have multiple hearings on different agencies that have actually just gone rogue. They took fewer men in the takedown of El Chapo than they did to arrest me. And Comey went back to his organization and brought his other thugs together to basically give them the ground rules. Okay, here's how we're gonna, here's what we're gonna do. And give, now I need some ideas about how to execute this, basically this act of treason. I think we all know, James Comey, that you're a great storyteller because you made up the entire story about Crossfire Hurricane. So it's really fitting that a criminal like yourself wrote a crime novel. Do you remember me? Remember me from your book signing? It doesn't matter whether they're Republican or Democrat. People will sell their soul to obtain an ounce of political power in Washington, D.C. I don't even know that draining the swamp is the appropriate metaphor anymore after what we've seen these last four years. We need basically an exorcism in Washington, D.C. When, you know, Satan is tempting Jesus in the desert, I'll, I'll give you all the riches of the world. I'll give you everything. All you have to do is bow to me. That's what Barack Obama has done. That's what Jim Comey has done. That's what these bastards have done. The Fall of Deceit at SalemNow.com. It sounds pretty good. It's it sounds bad. real, it's dude. Not bad, huh? This is today's News Talk Radio, TNT. Joining us for the first time on this Rebel Transmission is Rogue 
Professor Adam Elwinger, full professor of English at the University of Houston downtown. His primary research interests are in rhetoric, politics, media, and culture, and the places those concerns intersect. He's a higher education fellow at Campus Reform Online, a 2023 Lincoln Fellow at the Claremont Institute for Statemanship and Political Philosophy. In his recent book, Metanoia, Rhetoric, Authenticity, and the Transformation of the Self, he offers a history of the rhetorical techniques for personal reinvention. In the West, he's a frequent commentator on politics and regularly writes for a bunch of publications that I regularly read, such as The American Mind, uh, Killette, I Am 1776, The American Conservative, Minding the Campus, The Blaze, Human Events, and more. He's uh, the editor of The Peerless Review, an online journal for dissident scholarship in the humanities and social scientists. He hosts a podcast on higher education entitled Wither the Luniversity. You can find him on X, Twitter, at One Heretical Truth. Quite the background. Welcome to TNT, Adam. Thank you, Hervoye, for having me. Thanks for coming on. Uh, and you know, you've, I just read your, your, your big, um, um, bio there. And, you know, uh, I just learned of you recently cause I read American mind and a, a lot of those publications, uh, and my podcast in the past, I've had James Poulos of, of Claremont, um, who does great work and, and, you know, maybe to start, um, this piece that you wrote, the grift of the Magi, fantastic, where you sort of. You know, and from here we can jump off anywhere else but you talk about the current regime in washington uh you know uh the, the globalist regime and and uh, let me just read a paragraph or two you say the people who populate our elite institutions see themselves as wise men with a heightened ability to perceive reality who benevolently offer these revelations to lesser men uh you know you go on you talk about them as an aristocracy but it just seems like uh it's a magic show it's not reality and so um if you could further explain this for us well yeah i mean i think it's it's become evident in the last uh 10 years especially uh just how low the competence of our elites have become um and despite their incompetence they still seem extremely confident of their own abilities whereas sort of these these the hoi polloi people like you and i look on and see just sort of a an unfolding catastrophe and so the idea of the article that i wrote there is how do they see themselves um do they see themselves as magicians in the sense they have these kind of supernatural powers and they they have this arcane wisdom that they can fix whatever ails us and they think they're doing a good job or are they illusionists where what they're trying to do is kind of trick our perception so they're not actually solving problems as they are manipulating uh, the appearance and, and the optics of things in such a way that they can claim uh, credit for, you know, a booming economy in the United States, a fantastic job market, um, a, a victory that's this close in Ukraine, um, peace and prosperity abroad, all the rest of it. Yeah, I mean, you you write uh, elite illusionism. Maybe establishment elites are better in, understood as illusionists. And it's funny when we talk to their followers, right? The citizenry that that follow this regime. When I have contact with them, they're they seem to have drunk in the Kool Aid. Like they think they are experts, and they think the current elite are experts. Uh, meanwhile, as you mentioned, you know, we've we've got like Fetterman's and Biden's 
Uh, and so many people that I have on this program, like yesterday, I had a former CIA officer, Brian Fairchild, you know, what happened with Lloyd uh, Austin um, disappearing, no one knowing what's going on. It's like total incompetence. The whole world is laughing at us. Yeah, um, I, I think, you know, I could give a number of examples of this, but I think the situation at U.S. southern border is illustrative, you know, so we've had unprecedented. I think I think even the numbers at Ellis Island in the in the 19th century were lower in terms of annual immigration than what we're seeing at the, the southern border right now. And yet at press conferences, um, the press secretary continues to insist that these are normal ebbs and flows, that more or less the border is secure. Um, and, you know, to say anything else is to be characterized as a xenophobic uh, um, sort of conspiracy theorist. Um, and, and this, I think, is that illusionism in action is that there's a certain type of person, I think, who sees the White House press secretary stand up and says, everything's fine, and they believe it must be fine. Um, and in that sense, it doesn't really matter uh, for practical purposes whether or not the problem is real. What matters is public perception. And we've still got roughly half the country who thinks that everything's just fine at the border. Yeah, it's, it's you know, I never thought of it that way, using Ellis Island as a comparison. Uh... And that really magnifies what's going on now. I mean, in fact, just um, was reported uh, an hour ago or two that the DHS has admitted above 85% of migrants apprehended are being released into the U.S. And you, you mentioned Ellis Island. I remember years ago, I was looking for my any of my forefathers who passed through Ellis Island. I did actually find someone with my same name, Perwe Moric, uh, you know, maybe a century ago who passed through uh, Ellis Island. We're going to jump real quick um, to our headlines. We'll be right back. I got a newsflash for you. Newsflash! TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is James O'Neill. Ray Epps, entangled in right-wing conspiracy theories related to the U.S. Capitol riot, was given a one-year probation sentence for his involvement in the January 6, 2021 incident. Congressional Republicans are demanding a thorough investigation into the Harvard Corporation's handling of allegations against former Harvard President Claudine Gay. A recent poll by Rasmussen Reports indicates that a significant majority of U.S. voters approximately 65%, perceive the substantial increase in illegal border crossing at the nation's southern border as an invasion. We're the pinup boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365, we never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth. From government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators anywhere you go. Ask Alexa or Google to play TNT Radio or download the TNT Radio app for free from the App Store or Google Play. Today's news talk, this is TNT Radio. We're talking to rogue professor Adam Elwinger. Find him on X at One Heretical Truth. You'll find his pieces at American Mind, American Conservative, um, and in other places. I, I know last year I had on, I think, the deputy editor, Andrea Whitberg of American uh, Conservative. Uh, and uh, again, you mentioned the border. You've been writing about that. You've got articles such as Settlers versus Migrants, How to Turn a Cold War 
uh, hot. Uh, but you know, maybe getting going back to the big picture and then getting your further thoughts on education and and the culture wars. But the state of things in America, we've got. Um, you know, just before you joined, we were discussing how journalists were joking about the assassination of um, Trump. But if you make a meme about Hillary Clinton, you go straight to jail. And and there's talk of civil war now. They're putting out films about a second civil war. Um, you've got military and intelligence in the U.S. going uh, fomenting uh, crises like J6 and and other uh, events. And so. Just your thoughts on where we're at. I feel like we are at a crossroads in America uh, and things, you know, I, I feel also that the American empire is, is uh, on decline. Yeah, I think that that uh, the, the decline is is undeniable. Um, and there's a lot of different reasons for that. I think uh, some of them were out of the United States control to some extent, uh, for example, 9-11. Um, but then... The response to 9-11 retrospectively from the United States significantly weakened the nation in, in various ways. Um, I think radical economic change in terms of trade, production, um, industry has has uh, gutted the, the U.S. middle class. Um, and obviously, when you have a disruption of the way that people live, you're going to have a disruption of the sort of political status quo. Uh, the lines will be drawn differently. And it's very clear that that that's what's happening. Um, the lines are being redrawn. And of course, it's it's an inherently confusing uh, um, uh, experience that you get when you sort of look at the map and where are the lines now. Uh, but I also think that this is kind of why the state um, is getting increasingly anxious is that they can start to see these new lines coalescing and they can understand that there's a broad swath of the U.S. population uh, who is essentially voting no confidence in the ability of these elites to govern. Uh, and, and I think that that, that anxiety that they have about um, the growing solidarity um, among uh, sort of disaffected Americans is a lot of what's driving sort of the paranoia that we see from the government right now. Um, you know, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that nobody's out to get you, right? Uh, and uh, I think in this case, they're right. You know, people have had it and uh, they are doing whatever they can to both neutralize the the establishment of dissident networks and also to to shore up their own hegemony in the institutions. And you, you mentioned that, you know, China Global Times, uh, you know, one of the mouthpieces for, for China Road, and I read Global Times, I read everything. Um, they had an article titled, Why is CIA openly discussing its misdeeds against China? And in there they say, despite possessing the world's most formidable national strength, the U.S. exhibits a heightened sense of insecurity where they're paranoid you know uh, they try to have it both ways by but by saying china is collapsing oh but china has penetrated um us and and uh just your thoughts there on the national sec the security state becoming paranoid and you know we're seeing censorship we're seeing people be arrested uh debanking um i i've mentioned i've i've been taken off of patreon because of the biosecurity states and then 
the you know for me i'm still in shock as a u.s citizen as an american that the dhs would target me i consider the dhs i don't think it should even exist you mentioned it came into being after 9 11. i i see it as the american stasi um uh recently i read that they're now getting um funding universities uh when it comes to feminism and the manosphere so basically if you believe in manliness and you're not down with feminism the dhs is going to label you like a domestic extremist terrorist it's like the i i it's like they want to be god they want to be the arbiters of social values more like what, what what's going on here and so they took me off of paypal and so your your, your thoughts on some of this how far they might go with this censorship regime if you've had any experience if you feel uh, talking about openly and whatnot um i've seen some of this from from you know uh private institutions like gofundme uh, for example, we were um, working on raising some money for the legal defense of Professor Charles Nagy in Florida, who was fired for saying things critical of Black Lives Matter. And within about four hours, GoFundMe had uh, determined um, what that uh, um, you know page was for and said that uh, you can't uh, raise money for people's legal defense. But when it comes to sort of street crime, Antifa, you know, uh, felonious behavior, all of a sudden those those rules seem not to apply at, at some of these outlets. But I don't think that we've really seen anything yet. I think that that this this level of control that you're talking about is really just ramping up. You talked about the biosecurity state. Um, we saw the 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 um, COVID IDs uh, that were, you know, uh, mandatory for for many uh, um, just normal activities in life. Um, and I think that these are just sort of the beginning of the birth pangs. I think that the technology is there now to uh, execute surveillance in a way that wouldn't really have even been imaginable. Uh, 20 or 30 years ago, and I'm not sure that they quite know how to uh, justify the exercise of power yet um, that would be required to implement that level of, of surveillance, but it's it's pretty clear that they're itching to implement it as, as soon as they can. Uh, so I think that unfortunately, you know, these, these things which seem very um draconian to us right now are we're going to see much much more aggressive forms of um censorship surveillance uh um condemnation you know i mean if if parents at school board meetings who are skeptical of uh transgendered people coming in the bathroom with uh their their teenage daughters if those are those people who don't want that are labeled as uh domestic extremists we're in a really dangerous place unfortunately i i have to agree with you like extrapolating outward uh you know one of my past guests um i love his work legal man who was in the jones plantation film he, he uh, i used to call myself blackfield he uses the term cyanide pilled and so i'm running with that uh <laughs> now and i think you know studying history once you know the train is running and you've got the momentum uh it's, it's not going to stop anytime soon so it's like it's going to go through with whatever it's going to go through with this what we're discussing now this totalitarian regime that's just um underway now in the u.s and um there's no telling how long it's going to last or what it's going to look like, but I think we're going to be hit by that train. And you, you mentioned the whole transgender stuff. One of my 
one of the folks that I've uh, hung out with, um, retired diplomat Jim Jatras, I think he coined the phrase rainbow fascism, rainbow fascism. Um, you know, when it comes to the culture wars, the, the, the wokeism, uh, all this sort of madness now that that's uh, it's coming down here to Mexico. It's it's not here now in Mexico. You know, I go to Walmart here in Mexico where you think it's more, um, uh, let's say, backwater or or developing. Um, and I can say that because I'm a Mexican citizen, so no one can say I'm racist because I'm Mexican. So um, uh, I find the uh, Kleenex boxes that are LGBT, you know, my, my kids walking around looking like well, grabbing it. I'm like, no, put that down. Uh, or there's Mickey Mouse puzzles that are. Uh, they got LGBT agenda on it, and it's just like it's just being exported to the rest of the world. What do you make of all of this uh, crazy wokeism? Um, and, and have you, you know, come up against it at, at your place of employment? I've come up against lots of it. I work in an English department at a secular public university, which is more or less the the seat of uh, intellectual wokeism in in the United States, the academy. Um, I do think that we've seen some some uh, counter blows to uh, academic wokeism in the past, certainly the past couple of weeks. But I think uh, there's there's been a more organized resistance to it since 2020. But the the people on our side of that fight are far, far outnumbered in the institutions. Uh, as far as the global element of wokeism goes that you're talking about, I mean, this is really what the American empire, as you called it, has been reduced to. The most visible element of, of sort of American cultural hegemony abroad is uh, LGBT iconography. Right. Uh, you know, we we will fly that that the, the rainbow flag at our embassies abroad. Uh, we will we'll fly at the Holy See and uh, in the Vatican. Uh, we will fly that everywhere, um, even in even in Muslim nations. Right. Where typically the, the U.S. government is is very careful to speak of Islam as the religion of peace and respect those values. But then, you know, they're they're perfectly happy to display um, the rainbow flag in, in places where certainly the local population would see that as anathema to to their culture. Um, the fact that this is the bridge that sort of American global hegemony is is going to die on is I mean, it speaks to your point, which is just how far we've fallen, right? That this that this particular symbol is the main symbol of what remains of American global power is um, troubling to say the least. Yeah, and it's it's difficult to digest. Like, what what does it mean? You know, I've seen one of the largest proponents is this the State Department, uh, USAID financing i read not long ago in the middle east places like egypt um marxism and gender studies gender ideology in ecuador uh, i read they gave like a twenty thousand dollar grant to to push dra drag queen events for children in a country that's conservative traditionally you know and it's just like it's it's they're they're shoving it down people's throats and I, I don't know how long it's going to last. I wonder if they're going to succeed in um, planting these rainbow flags abroad or at some point this is going to end. What do, what do you think? Um, I think that, that 
I don't think it will end. And, and here's why. Because in a lot of ways, the LGBT movement is symbolic of left liberal ideology at large. Um, ultimately, what the movement is, is a testament to the absolute priority of individual sovereignty, right? That the self will not be subjected to any authority outside the self, right? Um, and, and further, it has the added sort of sub-theme of sexual gratification, which historically, in the view of the left, is the highest expression of personal autonomy and uh, sovereignty. So it's almost like uh, the LGBT movement becomes the avatar of secular liberal leftism. Now, we added to the mix to come back to the transgender issue that we were talking about. Um, I don't think that will go away either. I do think that we're going to see in a few years more and more so-called detransitioners. Um, and I think we're also going to see about a, a lot of lawsuits for people who are were minors who were very unhappy about the decisions that some adults made more or less on their behalf. But I think that transgenderism is the leading edge of transhumanism. We talked about sort of technological advances that are happening. Uh, clearly, there's much money to be made in, in sort of emerging of of biology and technology. Uh, we'll see more um, embedding of new technologies in the body. And I think that the, the state uh, sees transgenderism as sort of the way to introduce these ideas of radical modifications of the body um, in such a way that they're, they're sort of leading this revolution in advance of the larger techn technological revolution. Um, so that they can kind of work out the kinks, pun intended. I, I think I think you nailed it. That's where I was actually going to go because I, I've had conversations with Mary Harrington, who's got a great book on this. She calls it Cyborg Theocracy. This is biopolitics, transhumanism. And I, I, I think you're right. I think that's another reason it won't go away because these are the training wheels to, to get us into this transhuman, posthuman um singularity world that these insane elites want to take us which i don't think is even possible i've, I've had conversations you know they're looking for immortality and i don't think there's no way they can cheat death and so we we now have to all suffer for their mad you know mad scientist dreams uh it's it's time for our break again people can follow adam elwinger uh, on x twitter at heretical uh, one heretical truth you'll find his publications uh, american mind the blaze uh, many other places he's also the editor of the peerless review that is uh, peerlessreview.org we'll be right back from weather and traffic reports to news of political developments we turn to journalists for the information we need to live our daily lives Journalists around the world providing news that is essential for democracy, for personal freedom, and for safety and stability. Yet their ability to report freely and safely is under attack like never before. So many journalists are paying with their lives. They face exponential risks, and they've already paid a heavy toll. Death threats, online harassment, and physical attacks 
are becoming a daily experience of journalists in all countries. We just want people to be safe, to be able to get our readers the information that they need to make informed decisions. They checked my phone and realized that it was Pegasus. I feel myself like I'm naked at the street. These charges were politicized from the start. Facts win. Truth wins. Justice wins. C'est énorme pour moi d'être là, d'être libre. Surtout que je m'y attendais pas du tout. Stand with the free press. Stand with journalists whose reporting won't be silenced. Press freedom is your freedom. Last week, Brandon met a girl on a dating app. One day after work, he finally found the courage to ask her out. No answer. He started to panic. Was he being too pushy? Maybe it was too... Hey, sorry I didn't respond. I was driving. I would love to go on a date. How does tonight sound? Brandon tried to play it cool, but inside he knew. A girl so smart, so responsible. She must be a keeper. Critically analyzing global affairs. This is the Hervoy Moritz Show on today's News Talk Radio, TNT. It's our final segment with Rogue Professor Adam Elwinger on X at One Heretical Truth. Uh, I very much enjoy his writing at American Mind, American Conservative. I am 1776, another great outlet. Um, and maybe to talk education, I had a recent guest on Jeremy Ryan Slate, who's got a great podcast, and he um, he was focusing a lot uh, on education. He said going forward, education is important because it's the next generation. And, you know, even Hitler talked about the youth. If you could capture the youth in one generation or the, you know, the Bolsheviks, um, then we are screwed. And I think we're there in this process now. The struggle is with this next generation. Um, if they make it or if they, if, if they can get enough of them to buy into this agenda, then they can succeed. If they don't, then um, they've got a huge obstacle. Um, I, you know, frankly, I taught for over a decade. Um, frankly, I, you know, I like teaching. But uh, I would prefer not to go back if I, if I didn't have to. Uh, I had a professor on last week, Keith Preston, uh, and he said it's getting worse with the attention spans of the kids and and and, and the wokeism. But you know, kudos kudos to anyone still in the trenches there. But your thoughts on um, education and academia these days? Well, I I think that um, the wokeism institutionally perhaps has been getting worse. In Texas, I think it's getting a little bit better because we've passed some laws, uh, not particularly effective laws, but uh, laws that have pushed back some of the DEI stuff just a little bit. Uh, but I would disagree with your uh, friend's assertion, at least in what I see, that the young people are getting more woke. Um, if if anything, I've I've sensed a shift in my students in the other direction in the last two or three years. Um, now, attention span, uh, problems with academic preparation, sure, there's a lot of that. Um, but in terms of sort of wokeness, particularly among young men, 18, 19, 20 years old, I've, I've seen them recently having a little more courage to defy some of these ideas in front of their classmates uh, in an open class discussion. 
And so I'm hopeful about that. I think that young men um, are are particularly aware uh, of the problems of wokeism, in part because I think at bottom it's a feminist ideology. Um, and the institutions, especially the institution of the university, is a feminized institution. And if we look at the performance of boys in school, um, you know, at, at every level now, uh, girls are significantly outperforming them. Uh, I don't think that that's a coincidence. I think that the institutions have been rearranged in such a way that um, skills where women and girls tend to have aptitude have been emphasized and boys have, um, you know, uh, the, the things that they tend to do well have been marked as problems, right? Disagreeability, that's a problem, right? Uh, physical prowess, that's a problem. Um, and so I think young men are getting hip to that. I also think that, you know, um, they see what's going on online and and they they know instinctively right that you can't change your sex many of them want a wife one day who um i don't know what i can say on australian or mexican radio but who oh, does we, not we have total free speech here no censorship okay all right well i i think many of them would prefer to have a wife one day who does not have a body count equivalent to a street prostitute of the 1600s, um, you know. Uh, so I think that they they are starting to see um, the negative impact of some of these ideologies in their lives. Now, the dangerous thing is, right, and if, if there's any young men of the age I'm talking about, I hope that they'll listen to this part. There's great promise in that age group because they, they see it in a way that earlier generations have. The 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 risk is that they they kind of overshoot the mark and let that uh, uh, manifest itself as hatred or as hopelessness um, or as as sort of paranoia. I also see sort of on on the the sort of dissident rights among young men. Um, you know, it's about vibes and, and joking and, and making fun of things. And that's, that's great, right? That's important. But also, like, I'd like to see the young people take things more seriously, right? Not everything's a joke, right? That there's real stakes here. Um, and that, that there are some, uh, potential realities in our future that are better than others and that these younger people have a role to play in choosing what that future is going to be um they have immense power right the the youth revolutions the 1960s wouldn't have been possible without college-age students we saw that they can change a society at the fundamental level right and and i just don't much as i enjoy memes right we're not going to meme our way into the counter-revolution um so I guess that's I have I'm hopeful about the students, less hopeful about the institution um, and and hoping that, um, you know, the, the young men don't fall into this pit of despair that's that's underneath all the memes. Yeah, I, I would agree with you that they could become more serious. And I, I've been meeting and seeing some of the dissidents uh, rights or anti-system dissidents and you know some of them are into a lot of this manosphere stuff but they're still single and you know i i think serious also means having a family making babies um 
you know, and getting more involved in, in, in some of this stuff and not just being relegated to the uh, internet. And something you said finally clicked for me. I mentioned earlier the DHS and the manosphere. So I, I, I didn't know, as you explained, that men men were getting, I guess, hip maybe through to the manosphere, through, the, you know, through that manosphere. Um, and, and that's why the DHS wants to crack down on it now to maintain the woke feminist globalist project because the DHS is one you know one of those arms um weapons used to enforce this stuff and you know I've I've had conversations with raw egg nationalist who who's uh in in the manosphere uh they're doing good work um you know we're we're about three and a half minutes to midnight you know any other thoughts you mentioned revolution uh the thoughts on this idea of American civil war uh, it seems like there's not a lot of interest from the people left or right for a civil war a second civil war but it seems like again the state wants us to get crazy um you know thoughts on that and then other things that people um can do uh in the u.s to resist some of this tyranny well i i think you're right that and i don't understand quite why but it does seem to me that the that the state wants to intensify the divisions between the american people um, I really don't think I, I don't know anybody who actually wants a civil war. I mean, I think that the the off ramp here is is a return to federalism in the true sense where, you know, the federal government takes a step back, lets California, California on drugs, immigration, abortion, whatever, lets Texas be Texas on drugs, abortion, immigration right? And, and then the people can choose. They could self-sort, right? If they want to live in sort of the woke utopia, then they can go live in San Francisco. Um, and if, you know, if, if they don't want to live that way, then there's other places like, you know, Alabama, um, you know, Montana, places like this. Uh, so I think that would be the, the solution that I'd like to see. I, I think that we need detente. We need to back off but I, I i'm not sure that that's what they have planned for us um i hope i'm wrong <laughs> yeah i mean you you put it well what they have planned for us they're putting out these civil war movies now um i've had, I've had conversations with folks like colonel douglas mcgregor who says he fears there will not be election this year um real quick with just a minute and a half left you know any final thought my other fear is the economy that they're trying to wipe out the middle class with this neo-feudal great reset project and so um any final thoughts for us i think that the the middle class america has always been the the heart of the american ethos and if, if you got the middle class you got the american spirit um and and if things do not get better for the middle class. I think that's going to, again, like really intensify the anti-establishment tendencies of the American people, because one thing that the American people need for better or worse is sort of a certain baseline level of sort of material comfort. Um, and uh, if, if, it, if lifestyles are radically changed, then the world will too. I'd agree with you. Uh, thank you for coming on. I'd love to have you uh, on again at some point in the future. Um, 30, 40 seconds left. Tell us again, where do we find you online? Um, online, mostly at 
truth um and you know uh my my writing you can find in a lot of places um i'm always happy to to talk to people like you who are doing good work and so i appreciate the invitation all right keep up the great work out there in the trenches uh uh in academia uh i'm signing off steve malsberg is up next uh, be seeing you <laughs>